0: A lot of where I operated from is like from ego, from trying to look good. Is this impressive enough? Is this worthy of my Dartmouth education? Never asking like, is this my purpose? Does this align with my values? Do I care about this mission, this message?
1: Michelle Villalobos, Dartmouth 96, was hanging with Shakira, taking the Latin lifestyle publication biz by storm, and then launching her own consulting firm but the Vita ended up being a little too loca. Find out that what looks cool and shiny on the outside doesn't always reflect the deeper truth somewhere under the surface and how sometimes you need to quiet the noise and listen more carefully inside. On today's Roads Taken, with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. So I'm here with Michelle Villalobos, and we are going to talk about how she has become a superstar, and not only a superstar, but one who finds the superstar power in others, helping others align what they do with who they really are. And I know many of our guests on this show are actually um, still trying to find that or have had a meandering path to find that. And um, I'm guessing that Michelle might be one of those people, too, who just had the the clarity and was able to pass it on to others. So welcome, Michelle. Can't wait to hear your story.
0: Yeah, and I, and I should preface it all by saying, no, my path is very meandering. There was a lot of lack of clarity. I don't think I figured out who I was or what I wanted to do with my life till I was about 40, just like five
1: years ago. So let's start from where we've been starting with most of our guests. Who were you, Michelle, when you were at Dartmouth? And more importantly, who at graduation did you think you were going to be?
0: So I think what's, what's truest in answering that question is that I really, I didn't know who I was. That's part of what was so challenging when I left, you know, I came into Dartmouth having a really strong identity as an overachiever, as a good girl in my family. My parents are Cuban immigrants. You know, it was a lot of pressure to succeed and achieve for a lot of reasons. That became my identity. Like coming into Dartmouth, I was an uptight, straight A, follow the rules kind of girl. And then in Dartmouth, you know, I was shocked in a lot of ways by by the way things were. It was different than where I grew up. I grew up in the Dominican Republic, it was just different. You know, I, I got to college and people dressed differently, they partied differently. So what I did was I adapted. I, you know, I adopted the way of being, I changed the way I dressed. I changed. I was still always a little bit weird, a little bit different than everybody and got a little bit made fun of in jest, not, not, not mean, but I never, like, I didn't know who I was and who I was had for so long been determined by how other people saw me, you know, initially my parents, then my peers, my friends. And then when I got to college, you know, my teachers and professors and things like that. But I never, like, I, and I I think maybe this is true for most of us. Like I, I was never encouraged to really dig deep and know myself or to trust myself. You know, there was a lot of, this is what's good for you. Do this. And a lot of me saying, okay, Mm -hmm. cobbling together a major that, you know, made it worked. It allowed allowed me to graduate on time. To Spanish? It wasn't intentional. Yeah, I did a Spanish literature major and a psychology modified major, modified with mathematics. But what I really loved in college, the classes that moved me were the women's studies classes. I loved those, but I remember being on the phone with my parents and I'm like, I think I want to major in women's studies. And my parents (laughs) said, absolutely not. No way. We're not paying for that.
1: Right, right, right.
0: So I said, okay, you know, I'll do this instead. And I still took the women's studies courses. But when I graduated, I got zero corporate recruiting offers. No one hired me. And I had thought, I'm a shoe and everybody's going to want to hire me. I'm awesome. I get good grades. Like, But I was bilingual. Yeah, but no, no offers. And so my dad stepped in. And he connected with a friend of his, the son of a friend of his in New York City who was wor- working as a VP in, a, in an agency that put together these big trade shows and conventions. And, and I don't know if you guys remember, one thing about me was that I, I co-founded uh, Sheba, a dance right, group at Dartmouth, right. with Jen Polina and another girl whose name escapes me at the moment. So I was a dancer, and that was the, what like one of the one things I loved to do. I also acted in a couple plays at Dartmouth. So this company did these trade shows and they were looking for a part-time choreographer and someone oh to support gosh. on the production side. It was kind of a dream gig, yeah, right. right? It was only part-time though. And it was New York City. So a lot of, it wasn't going to make enough money. My dad was going to have to support, um, which, which I was fine with and he was fine with. But uh, then he started having conversations with his friend who got me the job offer behind the scenes without me. And he, the man called me up and said, Hey, we change of plans. We don't need you to do that choreography thing anymore. Part-time, like we have a full-time offer for you as a sales assistant. And I was heartbroken. I was crushed, but I was also not willing to not have a job. Right. I was not willing to not look good.
1: But did you dance again? mm
0: -mm, Never again. I wasn't strong enough at the time. I didn't know who I was enough. To stand in my dream and my vision, ultimately it made me. It, it was a gift. Right. Losing that was was painful, and the recognition of that now is kind of the fuel for what I do with my life, which is to help other people find who they are and step into their vision and their dream with confidence, with clarity, with certainty. You know, and and not let anyone stand in their way. So it's a beautiful. It's beautiful work, and I wouldn't do it if I hadn't done it all wrong for so long.
1: But I'm guessing you didn't feel that clarity and alignment as a sales. (laughs) Okay. So how long did that that last? Yeah.
0: Well, I was, you know, they loved me because I was a good girl. I did the work, you know, smart, did not like New York city at the time. You know, I think it'd be different if I didn't live in a two bedroom apartment with four girlfriends I lived with. Um, and I love my girlfriends still to this day, Meredith Dixon Eugenia oh, wow. Kim and Scott Thomas.
1: Oh, wow, that's a lot of energy in and two bedrooms. Was-
0: <laughs> I didn't love it, so I started to leave a lot. I had my car still, thank goodness. I uh, and I used to take it up to Vermont for the weekends and ski. And then one weekend, I decided to pop over to New Hampshire and just see what's going on at Dartmouth. Just check in, have lunch there. Like I was nearby, and I ran into Ryan Fitzsimmons.
1: <laughs> Remember him? Right. Ryan Fitzsimons.
0: Vincent Ritz- <laughs> Fitzsimons.
1: Sorry. <laughs> right, Fitzsimons. right.
0: And he was doing this thing called the college kit, if huh, you recall, I where do. he was getting samples and blah, blah, blah. And he had just gotten this contract with Warner Lambert to launch this new product called Dentine Ice.
1: The chewing gum.
0: The chewing gum. And so he had put together this thing called like the Dentine Ice Tour. He had gotten a tour bus that had like 20 bunk beds in it, and oh, god. and he and he enrolled like 20 people, 21, 22 years old, to go to 48 cities in 60 days.
1: Oh my god.
0: And he said, You should come. We'll pay you like a thousand bucks or two thousand, something ridiculously. Right. Like but we'll cover all your expenses. We'll feed you, we'll clothe you, know, not clothe you, but they they gave us sure. t shirts and, right. <laughs> sure. and and you'll just hand out chewing gum. And, and and so I said, OK, so I went back to New York City and, you know, my my girlfriends were not happy with me. I broke our, my lease, my agreement. Somebody else moved in. I packed up my stuff, put it in storage, went back to New Hampshire and said, all right, let's go. And so we did this trip around the country. I saw I saw San Francisco for the first time. Mm-hmm. I saw all these cool places and we landed. We ended up back in New Hampshire, came back. We finished the trip, ended up in New Hampshire And my parents are like, come home. And I was like, no, no way
1: to the Dominican.
0: Yeah. I was having the taste of freedom. I'm staying here. What are you going to do? I'll figure something out.
1: And so you looked in the classifieds and found a job teaching Spanish and math and helped start an artist collective there. Yeah, I was
0: all over the place. And, uh, And I don't know, again, like I would, would, then I wasn't happy. So I went down to Boston for the weekends. And one time I walked into an art gallery in Boston and I saw that they were hiring for an art salesperson consultant. And I was like, huh, this looks like a kind of a neat job. So I, I interviewed for the job and they hired me. So I moved down to Boston for and became an art consultant. This was the first time that I actually felt like I was good at something that I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I did, what I realized is I'm really good at sales. And long story short, my mom was bragging to her friend in Miami who was in real estate about how well I was doing in sales. And her ears perked up and she's like, huh, I could use someone like that on my team. I was actually literally digging out my car from a snowdrift for the (laughs) second time in a week in Boston when I got the call on my brand new cell phone. She said, how would you like to come to Miami? I'll pay for you to get your real estate license. I'll put you up while you do it. I'll give you a job with a guaranteed base. You're going to make a ton of money. Miami's booming right now. Real estate markets better, hotter than ever come. And I was like, Hmm. So 2000, January of 2000, I moved down to Miami and I did that. Did real estate for a year. I'm fast forwarding through a lot of stuff. It, it i did really well but the the developer that she was working with was let's just say unethical mm. and they did some not so nice things and and my 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 mom's friend to her credit she's like we don't work this way we're out so she pulled from the project that meant i lost all the all the revenues, all the commissions, like I ended up making almost nothing that year mm. after she had promised, like, it's good. You're going to make $300,000, you know, you're going to make all the money in the world. And I got so discouraged that I was like, I'm, I don't want to be in sales anymore. I don't want to sell things to people and then not be able to like stand in the integrity of it. So I actually just, I said, I, I want to do something creative. And um, a friend of mine from childhood actually was working with Emilio and Gloria Estefan. Gloria Estefan, like- yeah. Someone shake your body, baby. Do, do that, conga. Um, They had partnered with a magazine company to do a, a lifestyle magazine in Spanish called Ocean Drive Espanol. And he said they're looking for an associate editor. I was like, huh, magazines, editing, the Estefans, celebrities. Like, I totally, for all the wrong reasons, I'm like, that sounds great. <laughs> you know, people, you know, because a lot of where I operated from, Leslie, and I feel like this is the important part of the story is like, from ego, from trying mm-hmm. to look good, from like, is this impressive enough? Is this worthy of my Dartmouth education? Like never asking like, is this my purpose? Does this align with my values? Do I care about this mission, this message? And and I, I pause here because like those are the questions that, you know, I started asking later in life that led me to – this much more aligned career and vision. And, but back then I was like, am I going to make a lot of money? Are people going to, you know, is it, I think it's cool status. Exactly. So I took the job at, you know, low salary, you know, just to get in, you know, every month we were putting out a different magazine cover with a different model and a bikini and different celebrity. And I was going to celebrity parties and I was organizing photo shoots and I was writing in Spanish, which was kind of cool. But it's, I was low on the totem pole, and I and I had a boss that treated me very poorly. Long story short, I I decided to go get an MBA. Meanwhile, all these other people were making triple what I was making, you know. And I and they were their companies were paying for the MBA. I was paying for this mm-hmm. myself. I got a mm-hmm. loan, you know. This time, um, and I graduated, and you know, I was like, well, I need to have a better job now. You know, this job isn't worthy of me. And luckily, word got to the owner of the company that I was going to leave. And he offered me the job of the associate publisher. He said he'd been watching and he'd heard good things about me and he really needed someone to help with the business side of things. And would I consider being a publisher. I was like, I'm going to have a publisher title. He's like, yeah, (laughs) I have a raise. He said, no. Um, I got a corner office. Like I worked my way up to this. Like I made the magazine profitable and, but I was working my butt off. Leslie, I was like, and I was drinking so heavily. And mm-hmm. I, was, I was, smoking and drinking and partying, and you know, our parties had like Shakira and Ingle- Enrique oh. Iglesias at them, and I was just living this life. It was like it looks cool, exactly.
1: Looked, yeah, you had gotten that, that part of the success, right?
0: You nailed it, and that was what kept me there. It was status, ego, and like, what would people think, and what would I do next? Like, it had to be better. Right. And what's better than being the associate publisher of the hottest lifestyle Latin magazine in Miami? I could get in at any club, snap of the fingers, like I had it all on the outside, but like I said, it's like it was cotton candy. It was it was junk food. I would have been embarrassed if my women's studies teacher at Dartmouth saw the work that I was that we were putting out every month.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It
0: was meaningless.
1: Was there a moment where you thought that? And thought, mm. oh gosh.
0: Well, it's funny because this is where I think like there was a deeper, bigger, better part of me that knew and and wouldn't allow it anymore. And I started getting sick. I started just to feel sick. I couldn't get out of bed in the mornings. I was like just really struggling. I just thought, well, you know what? Maybe it's time to move on. If I let me get another job. Mm-hmm. But I was still operating from the same paradigm.
1: Yeah. I need to
0: make as much money. I need to be as cool. I need to have as good a title. I still wasn't operating from truth.
1: How does that get uncovered for you when you're in that state and of blindness that you, you don't even realize it's a pattern because it has been the mm. dominant pattern for so long. How do you, how do you wake up from that?
0: It took a lot. I mean, I'll just say that it kept happening. Like into in you know, the next job, same thing. And then finally I quit. I just said, it was a moment of, it was a heated moment. It wasn't a moment of, I didn't give it thought. I didn't plan it. It wasn't intentional, but I lost it. I just, I snapped and I quit my job, my next job within a few months of starting it, a couple months. And, uh, and the guy, the owner asked, well, what are you going to do? He had brought me from ocean drive and he knew that it was a big deal deal for me to leave. He's like, are you going to go back? Cause they wanted me back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I was like, I can't go back. That's That That much I know. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing for a while. I'm going to be a consultant and I'm just going to consult with companies like yours. He's like, you know what? I'll hire you as a consultant. I got a $14,000 job out the gate. I'm like, this is going to be easy. Oh, why didn't I think of this sooner? I'm a consultant. Perfect. And I like started creating the whole persona the whole mask around that piece. Things are awesome. I'm self-employed now. I've got my own thing and here's my beautiful business card that I designed and you know all that. Ultimately, it it didn't it, it that that whole pattern like it took it, it took about 7 years to play itself out. By the way, I started in 2007. So, as soon as I became a consultant,
1: the bottom the, dropped out.
0: The bottom <laughs> dropped out of everything, you know, like nobody was hiring. It was it was the hardest few years of my life. And and I didn't change my, my ways. I was still drinking. I was still partying. I was still drowning my sorrows and everything, doing everything I could not to feel the feeling of pain associated with not living my true life or living in alignment with my gifts or my values or my purpose or any of that. Like I just numbed it. So for seven years, I became a workaholic consultant. I stopped traveling. I stopped taking weekends off. I Nose to the grindstone, so it it didn't all come crashing down until 2014, when it just the bottom dropped out of my life. You know, I had made it through the through the like I was doing good money, but it was so it was up and down. I was doing everything in the business myself I, because of the revenues were so roller coaster. I just um, you know it's constantly hustling. I was constantly networking and following up and proposal writing and lunches and meetings and selling. And at the end of the year, you'd look at my tax returns and it looked like I did well, but it didn't feel good at no. all. It finally all caught up with me. I had like a breakdown. You know, just, I just, lo- I lost it. My mm-hmm. my I was engaged. My, that relationship fell apart in a very dramatic and public way in Miami. A lot of people knew what happened. It was embarrassing. It was shameful even. And then within a couple of weeks of that, I got a really serious health diagnosis hmm. of an autoimmune situation with prediabetes and just like, a, I mean, that's what happens when you drink and smoke and party and eat whatever you want and, you know, for 20 years. And then the last thing that happened was I took my eye off the ball in the business and without me driving it so hard, it, it stopped.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Grinding homes, mm-hmm. started racking up debt. And I was just like a failure. You know, like, who am I? You know, I, I, I haven't, I haven't succeeded. Like I went to Dartmouth. I have an MBA. I graduated with a 4.0. Like, why can't I figure this out? And it was luck. It was through the help of mentors, really, ultimately people that reached their hand out in this moment for me at the lowest of the lows. I was, you know, in tears all the time. They saw my higher self. They saw my better self. They saw the best in me. Like, who are you? What do you care about? What really matters? And I just started to do a lot more inner work. I I claimed myself again, or for the first time, really. Mm-hmm. I was like you know what? Here's who I am. Here's who I choose to be. I choose to do work that matters to me. And and I'm not saying that I didn't do any work that didn't matter to me. I started this thing back before all this called the Women's Success Summit. Like there was there was stuff that was coming in it was starting, but I was still like trying to muscle through it and make it like, make it make something that I thought the world would accept and appreciate and pay me for rather than letting it be what it needed to be for itself. If that makes mm, any yeah, sense, you know? and know, and it's taken me years and I'm still in this process of like learning how to discern what is a fit for me and what's not. And, and really just what I say no to, is just as important as what I say yes to, and I'm sure you've heard that before. But for me, that's very important now. I really took massive, radical ownership of my life and saying I chose all of this, mm-hmm. and 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 the th- that was so empowering. That is so empowering to like step into choosing your life, all of it. Like I, ch- you know, there was a a moment or a, or a period where I finally sort of. It, it maybe you say made peace with my past, made peace with the choices I made, made peace with the smoking and the drinking and the ill, Ill treatment of my body and the, you know like I, I made peace with all that by owning it and like choosing it and saying I wouldn't change it because I'm on this new path that really inspires me and excites me
1: and so that is kind of where you are now, and you know this this path that you've found for yourself is really. Holding hands with others and helping them walk into that light that you've seen. So, tell us just a little bit about your business and and who you are as the superstar activator.
0: Uh, yeah, superstar activator is about helping people shine their light in the world, and specifically entrepreneurs, specifically people who have a message who have intellectual property, who have a, a process or a system or a way of doing things. So I work with a lot of speakers, authors, consultants, uh, you know, thought leaders or people who want to be like that. And what I help them do is I like like you said, part 1 is like that what is the message? What's the message? What's the brand? Or refining that. Usually they come in with something refining that and then monetizing that in a way that's energy rich rather than draining. Like so often this type of person, the 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 creative thought leader, speaker, author, consultant, so often they're selling time for money and it's it's a really it's not a very sustainable lifestyle. And so what I help them do is take their content, their intellectual property, their ideas, their value, their magic, I call it, and package it into delivery models that are much more energy rich, sustainable, leveraged, group online-based, things like that. And then the third part that we work with them on is, is and, and who do you need to be to step mm-hmm. into that? What I've witnessed in the world, especially among women, but not only, is that so many of us have traded our authentic self, our authentic truth for what I did, like the status, the achievement, the, the comforts, you know. And then, you know, there's a book called The Five Regrets of the Dying, and the number one regret that people have on their deathbed at the end of their life is not like, I wish I'd spend more time with my family, which is, is what most people think it's going to be. It's, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself rather than the life that others expected of me. And that literally is my story. It's It, it was stepping into that courage.
1: So I think you answered this a little bit already in that... You had to make peace with your past um, to come to who you were. But thinking in those shoes of that 22-year-old who stepped off of the campus after graduation, could she have gotten here any faster if she'd known just one nugget or one something? Oh, yeah. What could you (laughs) have told her?
0: I, you know, I, it's gonna, it's a little trite, but like what I would have told her and like really, really like looked into her eyes and like shaken her and just been like, be true to yourself. I guess the advice I would have given her is learn to know, learn to check in with your own heart and your own self before checking in with everybody else to get advice and ideas and learn who you are. Like if I could have gotten her to do that, I think the journey would have been more enjoyable. Joy doesn't follow the external stuff
1: well i have so enjoyed this conversation and (laughs) i i wish you the best in your whatever the next step is because i am guaranteed this is not it for you um but i hope you find many more moments of joy michelle
0: and i'm so glad to have reconnected
1: yeah me too That was Michelle Villalobos, whose company, Superstar Activator, empowers creative professionals to align their business with their purpose, desired lifestyle, and values. Find her at SuperstarActivator.com. And find me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, on the next episode of Roads Taken.